0: Welcome to my new podcast, Crafting a Living, where I talk to brewers, distillers and other interesting craftsmen and artists and, I guess, businessmen. Daily I get the opportunity to chat and meet these interesting people and I thought I'd just record some of our conversation and share them with you so that you can be inspired and just see... That it's possible to make a living Plying your craft And in today's show I want to welcome One of my oldest brewing friends Peter Dean Peter is Runs The Rawdons Estate Where there's a beautiful hotel And obviously The Nottingham Road Craft Brewery And now the distillery And yeah Let's listen to the conversation This is welcome Peter Dean to the show today. Peter is at Nottingham Road Brewing Company at Rawdon's Hotel in the Midlands. Um, we're sitting here in the, what's it, the Hog Boar's head, head Pub? Boar's Head Pub at the hotel. <laughs> and everybody who's been to Rawdon's will know it. That's where you can drink a lovely pint of Nottie's beer. and But there's a lot of things happening at Nottie's this year. Um, Peter Dean has just come off his, his best year ever at the Nottingham Road Brewing Company. And I think you're also celebrating a, a big anniversary.
1: Yeah, thanks, Holger. Thanks for having me on the show. The um, Yeah, it's uh, we've been 20 years now in the industry, um, 21 years, 2017. So our Pickle Pig is going to be celebrating your 21st birthday. So that's our, rather than do the 20th, we're into the 21st. And uh, yeah, we were started in 1996. In fact, doing a bit of brewing in 1995. Um, but we we were like 20 years ahead of our time. You know, the craft industry has only really just caught up in the last few years. Thank goodness. That sounds a bit like Gilroy's
0: 180 years behind the time. Or what is he, what's what's yeah. his slogan?
1: Well, we've got 20 years' experience. <laughs> I think that's that goes in the brewing industry. What we've we paid the school fees over and over again many years ago, and so I'd like to think we're in a good space at the moment. Um, we've done some major expansion on the brewery, a new tap room, and a deck, um, and uh, so I think we're in a really good space with the uh, with the growth of craft beer.
0: So let's let's go back to how this thing started. I can, I mean, I can remember seeing meeting you in the trade uh, uh, twenty odd years ago, and. Um, but there's a story to it. You you arrived in South Africa. When did you arrive in South Africa?
1: Yeah, I was um, I was uh, uh, i d- I'm a carpenter and joiner by trade. So I did my trade in Australia. At 21, my sister was in the South Africa as a Rotary Exchange student um, in a Shawi, New So I did what most Aussie and South Africans do. I took two years off and I went to UK. Um, Europe etc and then I was going to make my way through overland Africa to South Africa um, to visit my sister and then return to Australia but um, it didn't quite work out that way I ended up getting into business in Ashaoui for about 10 years um, in the construction industry building log cabins uh, way up in Zululand, Mozambique and all over the place in 1993 um, I met my 1988. Sorry, I met my wife, um, and so we're 1998. Yeah, 1998. No, no. sorry, 88. <laughs> 88. Yeah, I well, 1988 uh, met my wife, uh, and um, so that was the end of the story. I, I'm still in South Africa since then. So, so you got
0: stuck here.
1: Yep. And Ishawi is
0: also famous
1: for the Zulu Blondes. Yeah, my contacts in Ishawi were the Channels family. And, um, we, what happened was when I was in Australia, there was two breweries that were making, um, uh, sort of a, their mark in Melbourne and Perth, um, the spotted dog in Melbourne, um, way back in 1982, 80, 90, maybe even 80, late 70s, about the time that Mitchells were getting their sort of, uh, brewing game with Lex. And we, uh... It was in the back of my mind that, you know, that's, that's fantastic, making your own beer. I thought only big corporations had licenses to make beer. So the idea of a craft brewery in Melbourne was really appealed to me. Um, then America's uh, Mer- Cup was about 1983. Um, and um, Alan Bond and the crowd uh, put Australia on the map when they won the America's Cup. And there was a little brewery there called Fremantle Brewing, which had taken off making red-black vice uh, beer, funny enough. Um, and they got very very popular, and they were eventually bought out by Carlton United Breweries. Um, that was always in the back of my mind. Then I arrived in South Africa, um, carried on in the construction industry, and uh, then I married uh, Sue Atwood, who was family, had a, a hotel in the Midlands called Rawdens. Um, we fell on a bit of hard times in Ashawi. We were, had a 15-month-old son, and uh, my wife, Sue... Uh, was pregnant with twins, and we we went bust <laughs> in the in the uh, the in the switch over from uh, KZM Parks Board to KwaZulu Bureau of Natural Resources and the election and Mandela and they were combining a whole lot of anyway, so a whole lot of contracts were cancelled overnight. So we took refuge up here at the hotel, at the family hotel, um, which was perfect because uh, by then Sue's parents, Don and Wendy Atwood, who had been running the place since the 70s. Had enough, and they said, Thank you very much. You can just caretake the hotel. Um, and 25 years later, we, uh, we're still here. Um, and in that process, uh, um, I'd said to Don, Hey, you know, we should be, we couldn't get SAB on tap at the hotel because uh, we didn't have the volumes. And in those days, in the 90s, uh, SAB wasn't keen on draft beer, it was just about pumping glass bottles. Old, yeah. yeah, So we had. Um, I said to uh, Don Atwood's uh, father-in-law, I said, you know, we must build a brewery here. And he said, well, you know, who's going to run it? And, and I said, well, you know, we, we're here now. So, and he went to, uh, to an auction in about 1995 and it was, uh, um, the little brewery was uh, uh, up for sale there, um, which we went and we bid and he came home one day and said, hey, we've, we've just bought a little brewery.
0: And what, what? brewery was that?
1: Um, um, the one from Durban. Yeah, done the, um, the name just uh, escapes me now, it'll come. And um, uh, funny enough old uh, um, Mitchell was the brewer there. Uh, Andy Mitchell. Mhm. Um, and I know where there's a bottle of that
0: that particular beer in the New Hanover Hotel. Oh, really? So I can drive past there yeah. and <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> have a look, uh, What well, it's called?
1: Cool. It's irritating me that I can't remember. But Crawford's. Crawford's, yeah, yeah of course. Uh, and we actually went to the to the auction. We bought the, the little test plant, not the big one. And um, Graham Crawford was uh, going to be unemployed after that auction. So we managed to coax him into coming with the brewery. Um, we put him up at the hotel here and gave his wife a job and they actually got the, the little brew house working to a certain extent. But uh, Graham, uh, eventually he was more a an engineer and an entrepreneur than a brewer, which is why Andy Mitchell was working with him at the time. Mm-hmm. So he eventually moved on and we were, had this little 50-litre framework with kegs uh, stacked on top of each other. So it was a four-vessel brew house that had a kettle whirlpool etc probably in the size of a home kit it was exactly it was the old 50 litre kegs okay. with the top cut off um, and it worked very well but we could piggyback we could piggyback beers uh, and do two to three brews a day um, so we would end up with uh, we built some fermenters which were 120 litres so we could do almost two 340 litre uh, brews a day so we'd have 120 litres which is two kegs after nearly 12-15 hours work and that's all because SAB neglected the draft business. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And uh, then, uh, then we, we, we were battling a bit because um, even uh, Graeme Crawford uh, sort of got us onto extracts rather than uh, than full malt, full mash. Um, so we heard that there was a, a guy that had retired from SAB uh, by the name of Trevor Morgan. And he was busy with a steel and wheel um, a franchise down in Maritzburg, and he was very unhappy there. After being uh, a top brewer, a chemist in the SAB, he was uh, now fixing wheels and etc., and tires. Uh, so we got hold of him, and he said, Great, let's come up. So he went from uh, operating some of the biggest breweries in South Africa down in our cellar and doing um, full mash now. Um, and our crystal malt, he actually did it in a little coffee grinder because he only needed one kilo. We
0: still had we still had fifty liters now. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: So, so he went from this massive, the trillions of liters to uh, to doing his crystal uh, crystal malt in a in a coffee grinder. Um, and so, Trevor joined our business um, and uh, became a shareholder. And then we uh, built the the new brewery, the ten hectoliter brewery, where it currently is. Um, but you know in those days there was no real off the shelf equipment. We couldn't just buy stuff uh, from a uh from a company. Eddie Swart or That's right, yeah. Or well, we, we went to a couple of the drink techs in uh Munich. Uh we, we went to the drink tech shows and we did the university um I mean sorry, the uh the trade shows, then we went to the uh um, you know, the Oktoberfest so it was a bit of a double double bonus. And we had a uh got a lot of experience with what people were doing over there, but we couldn't get anyone to manufacture here, and the cost of importing was just over the over the roof. And there wasn't a lot of micro breweries, as they call them there, um, on offer in those days, a few from Italy. Um, so the other one was uh, Joseph Martin had the farmer's brew house up in uh, Danhauser. Mm. So we were quite good friends with him. So with, we went and looked at a lot of breweries, and we actually designed and fabricated our own brew house, um, everything from the the PLC to the uh, um, the actuators, um, the heating system, because we've got a our boiler is quite quite unique. That the beer flows through tubes um, in a in a, outside the uh, the mash tun or the kettle. Um, so we've got a we get a really good hot boil, hot break, um, and I think that's one of the reasons it's it's done so well. Um, and Trevor was with us for about ten years, and then unfortunately uh, had stomach cancer and uh, and passed away. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and during uh, this time, you sold mainly at at Rawdon's. Yeah, we we predict mostly at the hotel here. Um, in those days, I suppose we we're only doing about two to three thousand liters a month. Okay. Um, we we then grew quite quickly. We went into the one liter PET bottles. Yes, um, we did it. Steve Floyd from Floyd on Beer was our agent in Joburg in those days.
0: And I think that's about the time when our parts crossed.
1: Yeah, exactly. When, Funny enough, just with about two years later, we, we purchased the farm next door um, after our brewery was finished. And uh, on that farm came a little house on the edge of the road, which was the old Ganger's Cottage. Um, so the railway used to actually go in front of the hotel. And... The beer fussel, as it's known now, was the Ganger's Cottage. So it it had five bedrooms and a big lounge, and it was right on the railway line. The road came from the back. So when we purchased the farm, we thought, oh, what are we going to do with this little house? Mm. Um, And a good friend of ours from Michael House, Ken Shooter, was at that time um, looking to get out of, retire from Michael House. So he's, he used to go to Germany or Austria once a year and uh, run a little beer strubel uh, during the ski season. So he said, let's build a beer house there. So we said, great, because then we can, all the booze cruisers can go to the Fossil in instead North of a <laughs> Rortons. So we, we built the beer Fossil in also 1999. Okay. Um, and we had, uh, and, but we couldn't make a light lager. Well, we didn't have a light lager. So along came Holger with uh, in your bavaria days
0: <laughs> uh, and i was happy to sell you the the light lager here.
1: yeah and you were you were very into it because it was a german theme with the yeah. icebein and the and everything else so uh you know our paths crossed way back in 99 so to uh, so I, a was, long haul.
0: I was having a discussion with my wife because uh, we also installed scrumpy jack Yep. Do you remember that? Yep. that's right. Yep. And we bartered a keg of scrumpy jack for a two-night stay at the <laughs> Roden's Hotel. And, I, and we were trying to work out. Is, it was our wedding anniversary, and I was a poor uh, beer rep, uh, not earning anything. So I took a, a, free, a keg of scrumpy jack and bartered it for, for a two-night.
1: Ow. I'm still keen to do that now. <laughs> Old, uh, so
0: you say that must have been around 99 2000. Correct. Yeah, we thought it was a bit earlier, but yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: And you know, the, we our turnover went up quite quite sharply because we were one of the only micro breweries in in KZN, um, and one of three or four in the whole of South Africa in those days. Gilroy's, etc. Um, and I think that uh, you know we there was a lot of TV teams came up to do a series on making beer and we had a little old black pig here for a while that used to drink the beer and so we went through a, a really massive uh, um, sort of uh, spike in interest mainly about the concept of the beer and but not so much uh, a big beer culture people okay. would still arrive here and I would say do you want a micro beer as we used to call it in those days and mm. they would say well what's the closest to ca- Haas, Castle or Hansa and we said, no, well, nothing really. But, uh, so we actually had to develop our lagers, uh, which you don't see very much in America in the craft brewing industry. They don't make lagers and pilsners. Um, but we had to do it here to try and just get some market share to just pay the bills okay. um, because people weren't really ready for the, the porters and the pale ales and vice beer, etc. Uh,
0: w- do you have any of those, uh, those videos somewhere in the I oh, you still no, have, I do them? have you Yeah, put those yeah. On, on YouTube.
1: Yeah. Andy so. Mitchell used to be interviewed often. I think okay. they all thought he was the he was the owner because he was often under the oak tree interviewing mm. people on uh, top billing or that type of program okay. anyway.
0: Yeah. And he also owned uh, they also thought he owned Mitchell's brewery. Yeah,
1: he, exactly. And he he ended up managing Mitchell's brewery in Joburg and then going down to the uh, to the Cape to uh, Birkenhead. Um, and he was there for about 10 or 15 years. And I think he's the only brewer around that doesn't drink. He only drinks Coke. Oh. So uh, he's now li- in Adelaide, I think.
0: Yeah, and I met Andy Mitchell when he was brewing Mitchell's beer at Bavaria. Yeah. In Joburg. Uh, yeah, of It was course. too expensive to ship it, I
1: think, from Cape Town or, or now. So he was brewing it at, at Bavaria. And he was utilizing their packaging plant. I think mm. that was the biggest thing okay. um, that he... Uh, could get an extended shelf life with a bottle and a crown rather than the PE2 bottle which was their traditional packing in uh, in Nisner.
0: Yeah. So let's go and, and see where we are today. You've got the Bear Fussell which uh, Sean runs um, and you've made some big improvements there. You've installed some new lines and stuff.
1: Yeah, we've just done a uh, Sean basically leases the business there so okay. it's his business our asset and uh, we, we in uh, assisted him in putting 10 um, 8 to 10 taps now, um, so because we've got 8 beers with our new, our latest ranges taking off, mm. we, we keep on thinking let's bring in a beer just for uh, a fun and a season but it becomes too popular and we can't take it off taps, so we end up now we've got 8 taps after being the boring 4 for maybe 10 years, 15 years and I'll swing in some mango which is a, a mango flavoured uh um, beer for the sort of uh, the new drinkers, something a bit sweeter. A mm-hmm. uh, cappuccino, which is our porter with a uh, coffee cappuccino you've, porter. You've um,
0: teamed up with a with a coffee company
1: there. We have the branding, yeah, yeah. We've which got, is quite interesting. Yeah, we've got uh, the local coffee company, um, which is uh, Trebador, which is over the um, just over the freeway. So they're craft craft coffee, coffee craft uh, beer. And I think it's it's a really good combination, and the I people so. love it. It's uh, really taken off. So, and then we've got our wombat, which is a summer ale, which is the base for our mango. So we get some cross pollination there. So we can use a couple of beers and make a couple of different um, flavors from. Um, and then uh, so we've, we've we've got we've built the range to eight. So now the beer fossils has got all eight on tap. Whereas before they used to have four or five when they're bringing mm. a the guest tap. So it's tidied it up a lot more. We built a new uh, cold room, um, all new lines, flash coolers. So it's really, and I think they, geez, they did, I don't know how many, about forty or fifty kegs over Christmas. So um, they are one of our biggest outlets, mm. along with Rawdon's. And I think that's probably what we're learning after twenty years in the in the business is to, if I can give any advice to, wannabe um, brewers, is that. The brew pub is the way to go. Yeah, you know, to unless you're going to spend 120 million like the CBCs and the Darlings and really go into competition with uh, with Ventork and SAB, um, and you have a shelf life on your beer, you have the up latest packaging um, equipment with uh, double evacuated uh, air, CO2 dosing, crowning. Um, pasteurizing, then you really are taking a chance mm. putting beer into the market in a mass way. So if you can just, with, the, with our deck, um, we're doing beer on our deck straight from the brewery, or you can come that's down to the hotel. That's a new development at the hotel, huh? Hey? Yeah, that's at the right. Brewery. Yeah, Knott's Landing. So we've got to, we're just trying to, when I was in America at the last brewers conference, I, uh, I noticed that we probably, compared to the bre- breweries in the States, we're not being. We want to make the brewery more inclusive to the public, whereas before it was the brewery, the shop, come down to drink at Rawdon's. So now we're encouraging people to have a beer at the brewery and maybe have a private function up on the new deck. So I think it's going to be a a real um, a real winner. And I think that if people can, who want to guys that want to build a brewery, can add and get as much of the retail market as possible without going wholesale. Um, I think that's the the avenue to, to success. Yeah. So low turnover, high margins.
0: And, and your business is, I mean, essentially you've always been a hotelier. It's a hotel first and then the brewery is in addition. So you once said to me, you don't want a factory on next door to the hotel. But uh, it's changed slightly because uh, the, the factory is interesting and it's, uh, you know, you have you've developing that part a, a little
1: bit now. Yeah, you know, one of the biggest problems with uh, with expanding the brewery too much into the uh, packaged beer market and is forklifts, uh, glass bottles, pallets, mm. and it becomes uh, very intrusive on the, the on the guest. on the hotel guests. We have got we've got a, a full glass bottle range now, which we took years to to get onto the bandwagon with that, mainly because of the the weight of the bottles yeah. and the noise it used to make. Um, but I think uh, the, the the people like to see particularly the brewing process. They like to see the steam coming out, yeah. doing your gravities, um, talking to the brewer, what beer are you making today? And then they're having one off the tap. So it be, it becomes... We were doing quite a lot of beer tours with um, um, online, and they were hugely popular. So the people with the interest in, in making craft anything these days, I think, is probably... It doesn't matter whether you're doing craft meat and, mm. you know, uh, home, salt, uh, home smoked meat or anything that's craft is going to take off. Anything that the big boys, I feel, that are doing, like bread, artisan mm. bread, artisan cheese, beer, um, I think that's the future. People want to go back to the basics and they want to yeah. be able to know where it's come from.
0: And especially if they're on holiday, I guess. If they, when did, when did the, the whole Midlands, Meanders thing start?
1: Um, the me- meander started um, with uh, three guys, uh, Adrian McWilliams who managed the hotel in the 80s um, until we arrived in 93, he was one of the founding members and it was actually Don Atwood who um, said to him one day, you know, what's, what's there to do in the Midlands? We need to get something up here for, um, for, the, for the guests to come and see. Mm. So they came up with this idea that there was a, a Meander up in the northern province somewhere and they said oh well let's do a midlands meander and so that was actually how the midlands meander started was let's get a few of the arty crafty people the potters and mm. the cheesemakers and put a, the meander together and i think that the brewery has now become probably one of the biggest stops yeah. on the meander definitely um, now there's a couple more breweries lions river um, and the uh, old main brewery etc um, if we can get enough breweries up here to make it a, a real beer destination yeah. um, I think that it's, it'll grow the industry and everyone will do quite well out of it. Yeah I
0: think so I mean you planted the, the word ale trail with me about two or three years ago when I was doing the beer book and I think that that's become quite a nice kind of concept to, to organize the ale trail because most craft brewers make or want to make ale rather than and lagers so i think it's quite a fitting thing and it's nice to see that you welcome other brewers into the area um i think I it's a good thing
1: i think it's it's fantastic you know you when you go to a car yard you want to go to four mm. or five car yards you know i think they feed off each other and i think the the concept of uh, the brewery feeds off each other because you'd like to go around and taste three or four places within a couple of days or yeah. a day and um so i think that the, the the concept of the ale trail um, it 's like in Cape Town, if you could only go and drink um mm, uh, wine, yeah. it would make the wine route uh, very boring for yeah you. so the more the more and it keeps us on our toes as well you know when, yeah. the, when um, the new competition comes into the area um, you 've got to really be be uh, um, Inventive, keep keep the interest in your own yeah. product, and I think that's what we didn't do for a long time. We we only had four beers, and we yeah. sort of we went through the ups and downs of the uh, craft industry, where it was up, and then it went flat, and then mm. 2008 it dropped because people didn't have money. Thank goodness the growth of craft beer in the Cape, particularly when that started four or five years ago. Um, has uh, really just given people the insight to go and look for more beer. So the more breweries in the Midlands, the, the, the better. better.
0: Yeah. And potentially we've got Old Main Brewery in Hilton at the Old Crossways Hotel. Then Lions River, which is not quite ready for, for the public. Um, there's something happening at uh, Balgowan. Mm-hmm. And then yourself. Yeah, And Blueberry Hills is also there's talk of something happening there.
1: Yep, Blueberry hills we talking about quite a big outfit, yeah. um, which I think has uh, been reduced in size a bit, okay. mainly because I think the—they're also in a, a very green area, and mm. so the licensing becomes a big issue. Okay. Um, so it's a no. I think it's—we're it's, in for a good 2017.
0: Yeah. So yeah. So we're looking forward to a good celebration. Yeah. Um, Twenty-one years of the pigs' twenty-first birthday, as John says. And uh, what else is in store for Nottingham Road Brewing Company or for Roden's?
1: Well, we're in an exciting stage at the moment, I think, um, particularly um, with looking at the artisan side Mm -hmm. is that we, you know, the craft gin market and craft whiskey is really taking off. And I noticed that when I was in the States as well, particularly the craft whiskey, to the extent that you go to a lot of restaurants now and they only sell craft whiskey, they don't sell a lot of your traditional um, blended whiskies, you know, your Johnny's, etc. Mm. Uh, people are actually going out and saying, what is your local whiskey? So okay. we have now, um, we've got a little still that we've been, we put together with a guy called Peter Weiss. It was his dad's little still. So we're doing some trials at the moment. We're still not ready to go commercially. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little 50 liter pot still. So it takes me back to the days when we were doing our 50 liter brews down beers, in the yeah. cellar for our beer. And uh but, boy, it's been fun. We, have, we put together a little 500-litre – because, you know, the beer base is what you need to make whiskey because it needs to be a malt, a full-grain okay. um, bourbon would be rye and um, malted barley for whiskey. Um, and that is the base for, for gin and vodka as well. So with one base, we can actually produce three different uh, um, styles of, of uh, spirits. So we've done a few trials. We've got our first whiskey in the, in the barrel with on oak. Um, it needs to sit for three years, so that's a bit of a long haul. So we're thinking we'll just put 10% of our, our, our production into whiskey and forget about it, put it into the pension fund. Mm-hmm. Um, our first gin, we, we've done some, some magnificent trials, uh, or great trials with flavor. Um, and we've got, uh, uh, with, a, with the help of Peter advice and by the way it was his father's little still so Mm -hmm. it's like a 100 years old and it's got a bit of a soul that really makes good stuff and uh, so we made about uh, a few liters and we put into three batches and we did a high juniper content in one high citrus in the other one and high uh, um, herb or botanic flavor in the third which includes things like lavender rosemary and etc and then we did a um, Spent an afternoon just doing some trials, mixing those at different ratios to get a, to get, and I think it's really tasting great. So we've now we've got a little shop. Those who know uh, Rawdon's, there's a little shop called Squirrels it's sort of been closed for a couple of years, um, a little home decor shop. So we've gutted that and we're turning that into the little distillery, um, and uh, with our tap room onto our deck, we'll then offer our four latest uh, craft beers. Um, and our gin and one day our whiskey um and vodka and you can also do uh, honey mead you can so the, really we have got the uh the potential to um to to do anything um in the in the you know in the in spirits or in beer um and even ciders
0: okay that's i mean it's a lovely story and um i mean if we look at You, Peter, you started your life off as a craftsman, um, carpenter, and now you're crafting your living, crafting nice beers and nice gins and hopefully soon some whiskey. Um, Yeah, it's it's a very nice story. And where... We all know Rawdon's. we can find the beers here. Um, have you got a few other outlets where people can taste your beers
1: yeah we've got I mean obviously the beer fussel and we've got yeah. um, the tap room provides quite a few places in in joburg okay um, in saying that we we were in a lot of places in Joburg, but with joburg, the growth yeah. of craft industry um, the the need for places like uh, beer house, etc to bring on new brands the whole time. Um, requires us to keep reinventing ourselves mm. for, for us to get tap space in those places because they they want you know they're about craft beer and they want to the people that come there need to taste new beers every time they come almost you know so it's a it's i'm reluctant to get too much out into the market mm. um, the temptation to go down to cape town is huge, it's huge. but it's logistics. You know, mm. you've got to keep the cold chain going the whole time. It, you've got to, if you send down stainless steel kegs, you've got to get them back. If you send down PET kegs, you have the problems with uh, puncturing and uh, beer quality. So I'm, I keep on saying to myself, just stay small, stay local, um, spend money on the property and mm-hmm. get peop- more people to the hotel yeah. um, rather than becoming um, a, a, a big brewer and chasing numbers. Um, and then people come down and say, Oh, yeah, but we need you in Cape Town. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, Oh, maybe we should go to Cape Town. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, a, um, it's a real difficult one. You know, yeah. it's, uh, the, coffee, the coffee porter in particular is something that, that could do well um, for a year in Joburg in Cape Town. So maybe to send one of our brands down there just as a, as a, um, a pilot sort mm-hmm. of uh, release would be fine. But it's, uh, I just know that uh, when you start chasing turnover, um, you know, uh, if you look at the the big brewers at CBC and Darling mm. they do, they tend to get t- t wound up in their volumes rather than the having fun making beer. How stop. many kegs did we sold yeah. today? And having big meetings with all your shareholders, trying to justify the you know the expense. So, so I think it's there's definitely two sides to it: yeah. stay very small or get very big. And that's, uh, yeah, otherwise it becomes eating soup with a
0: fork, isn't it? Exactly. There's no profit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just
1: the ch- chasing turnover is probably the biggest uh, mistake most, most uh, SMEs make. And you then, you,
0: yeah, and you have a few special speciality outlets in Durban that you service, like Hillcrest Tops. Um, there's a couple of other Topses in Durban North. So
1: Eastman's, um, the new ones. We've, uh, once again, you know, it's, if you look at the small brewers who are looking at expanding into those mm. markets, to go that next step requires um, a, a staff member full time. It requires cold rooms. It requires trucks. Um, it requires ten to fifteen thousand rand per outlet to set up chillers, mm. taps, etc. And all of a sudden, you I mean, you don't have to be a a brain surgeon to see if you can if you can sell to the public at 70 rand a litre instead of selling to the trade at 20 rand a litre you know you can sell half the volumes and still get yeah. the same profits and I think that um, the you mustn't be too tied up in trying to get into lots of outlets because they're all going to phone you on Saturday and say there's a problem with the beer unless you've got the backup staff like an SAB or uh, to actually go and service those outlets um, you're just going to do injustice to your product. Mm -hmm. And you've got to... It's all about looking after the brand. Mm -hmm. You know, if people don't find it everywhere, but when they do find it, it's extra special, then I think that's 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 probably the way to be.
0: Okay, good. Nice to chat, Peter. And I think we're going to let
1: you go there. Perfect. We'll go and make some more gin. (laughs) Cheers. (laughs) Cheers.
0: Wow, it's been... It's been a long slug for Peter Dean and his family. 21 years. From a 50 litre brew kettle to what they have now. And the quality of the beer is really good. Really exciting stuff happening at Nottingham Road Brewing Company. So, guys, please, next time you're in the Midlands, pop in at Rodden's and at the Beer Fossil and just see what's happening there. And... When you pop into the little shop at the brewery, look out, there's there's copies of the beer book for sale. And that means the next one's on me. Yeah, there's nearly 80 free beers in the beer book. So grab a copy and every time you visit one of these little breweries, you can get a beer for free. And that really pays for the beer book. Peter Dean, thank you for creating a piece of heaven for all the beer lovers in the Midlands. And we look forward to your dream of creating an ale trail in the Midlands Meander. Thank you and we'll see you on the ale trail.